Hello, it's uh, 12, it's midnight in Finland and uh, today we have uh, Mike Enoch as a guest. Uh, welcome, Mike. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Oh, fine. And it uh, seems that in America it has been sort of an, at least for the accelerationist side of the right, uh, sort of a dream week with the Minneapolis riots that have been spreading uh, the Central Park Karen and a lot of tensions going on. And I have, I have noticed that the, <clears throat> you have uh, commented uh, on this. So how do you feel? Do you get uh, uh, tired of the, of the same old with Ferguson, Milwaukee, now, uh, now Minneapolis? Well, I would say this isn't really the same old. This is an escalation. I mean, the violence in Ferguson... And then the uh, around when that happened, there was also riots in Baltimore and St. Louis and Charlotte, North Carolina, and a few other places. But the scale of this is very large. Like they have burned down significant sections of Minneapolis, from what I can tell. And I think that this is also a bit of an escalation. Now you mentioned accelerationism. I think, uh, again, I don't want to say anything that you know I'm not allowed to say on this channel so you know stop me if i'm going too far i think this is jewish uh accelerationism i think that they are accelerating this is an acceleration of their plan uh I, I don't think that this minneapolis event also should be viewed just in in isolation or or in terms of just rioting i think we had a whole series of uh for the last month or so a series of events that have led up to this and have kind of built a, a, a new paradigm in terms of white and black relations in America and how this is presented by the media and how various people and parties are expected to interact with it. So we have the uh, case with the um, burglar who was stopped by the two white men in a truck. He attacked them and was, was shot and killed. And these men were uh, then arrested. Now they're charged with hate crimes. And now the guy who filmed it on his phone has been arrested and charged as an accessory and probably hate crimes as well. Then a couple of days ago, we have this woman who is walking her dog in Central Park. And what was probably a gay man who was cruising, you know, looking for uh, anonymous gay sex in the bushes, pops up out of the bushes. He was black. He pops up out of the bushes, starts bothering her dog and then issues what is some kind of threat saying, I'm about to do something and you're not going to like it. So she calls the police. Now, this he takes a video of this himself and he shames her na nationwide. He shames her. She lost her job. They took her dog and she was attacked as like the worst person ever because she was scared by a homosexual black man jumping out of a bush and scaring her and her dog. I, I read he, we have, he was a bird watcher. Well, yeah, I think, I think we know he was looking for. He was, the bird he was looking for was a male chicken, right? Like, I mean, that's the bird he was looking for in those bushes there. I mean, let's let's be honest. When you have guys hiding in the bushes in Central Park, there's only one kind of bird they're looking for. Uh, um, you live in, in New York, I believe. I, I, I don't live in New York City now. I have I lived in New York City for 20 years of my life, though. So and, you, know, uh, you know this park. Uh. Well, well, I mean, not, not like that. But no, I mean, I know. Yes, I'm very familiar with Central Park. And the it's it's known that if you're there at certain hours in certain places, like the, the, you don't want to be there and you're going to find, you know, certain communities uh, are congregating there. So him saying he's a bird watcher, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. But um, 
I'll say that. And then and then next is this um this police officer who appears by all it appears that he um he choked this black man to death. Uh, and now the whole city erupts and, you know, regular white people are going to be the ones that are going to pay the price. So we had a, a, a store owner whose store was being looted and he opened fire and he is, as far as I can tell, the only person that has been arrested in this whole thing is white store owner. So the only, the only person has been arrested in the entire destruction of a significant section of this city is one white store owner for defending his own property. And this I think is very bad news for white people, I think, is what we have is a, a sort of a narrative coming together whereby you can't try and prevent black crime. You can't defend yourself from black crime and you can't call on the police to defend you from black people that are bothering you or harassing you. And you are basically on your own. But if you defend yourself from black aggression, you will now be charged with hate crimes to potentially go to jail or at the very least lose your job, have your life ruined, maybe lose your dog. That seems to be the lesson. Meanwhile, we have a, a largely black mob that is destroying a major city. And I just find this to be an absurd situation, but it makes sense given the direction of all U.S. politics for the last, I don't know, I would say since the end of the war, since all the post-war years, 75 years, this is the this is the trajectory we've been on and this is where we're at. Uh, white people can't call the police. White people can't defend themselves. And blacks are allowed to loot, burn, rob, steal, kill, rape, whatever they want with the encouragement of the national media. So I would say, sure, there's acceleration. But uh, who's who's accelerating is the question. I think mean, that's something we have to ask ourselves. And I think, uh, and here we have Donald Trump who makes some kind of vague insinuation that he's going to bring in the national guard to put things right with force. He gets, you know, he gets censored on Twitter. Now today he's out there apologizing and pretending he didn't mean what he really said. And it, it's ridiculous. And now we hear today that the white house is, not looking to, uh, es as I say, escalate confrontations. They want to build bridges to the black community. And this is, it's, it's ridiculous. When do white people ever feel like we get defense, we get protection, and we have our political will or, or, or the, the state is there for us at all? It seems the only reason the state is there to sabotage us and to make us vulnerable you know, uh, Sam Francis used the term anarcho tyranny. I think that that's a perfect term to describe what we're, what we're seeing here. Yeah, and it's uh, really stunning the level of power these people have that the leader of the free world is basically on his knees in front of this mm -hmm. race issue that with the Ahmad Arbery. Uh, case, he was immediately taking the joggers aside in the issue when he was asked about it. And even someone like Donald Trump, uh, who has made a career now out of being uh, controversial and edgy, and even him, he is completely on his knees when these people uh, start their outrage mob. And uh, as you said, of course, this doesn't come out of thin air, that the when people say that these black people are, uh, that they have these ideas that the police are out to get them and that there is systemic racism against them, where do they get these ideas? From the media that keeps pushing these stories at them, that hides all the black on white crime and exaggerates all the white on black crime. So that's how they get these ideas. And uh, 
So it's basically the media creating this situation that without them and without them pushing their agenda, these people wouldn't believe in what they believe in now. So, but the constant discussion when it comes to the media is that um, uh, whether we are talking about like individual ideologues, like journalists who and uh, media sites uh, that uh, uh, are liberal on their own, or whether it's a coordinated effort, what they are doing. What do you think? It's got to be coordinated. At the very least, it's the um, it, it, it's it, it. See, the question is: Is it, did they sit down and plan? And sometimes we get inklings that they do, in fact, sit down and plan. And even the news stories are uniform across multiple networks, down to the kinds of words and phrases that they're repeating over and over again. For example, we are not hearing the word rioters. It seems that they have all agreed to call them protesters, which that this is absurd. Like the they've burned down half of a city. They're not protesters. And and, and when you see some of these sort of you know underground or, or phony underground journalists, these anarchist journalists, you know, who are probably funded by the state in some way or another going in and talking to these people, they're trying to wrangle some kind of political statement out of them. And these are, these people are, let's be honest, these are idiots. They're fools. They're morons. They are the stupidest people. They yell out their Instagram hashtag. And then they're so proud of what the latest thing they stole is. These are not, there's no political consciousness here. So I, I think the media, there's a, it could be that there's a direct plan where they, they, they coordinate with each other and they plan how they're going to cover it and what kind of words and catchphrases they're going to use to really drill it into people's heads. But also with the black or white crime thing, there are some things that are just automatic. They've been that way for so long that they all kind of know what the, uh, what the shot is. They know what the story is. They know how they're supposed to cover it. And uh, only a few people will uh, push back on that. It used to be that conservative media would do it somewhat, but they seem to have completely capitulated. And now rather than uh, pushing back uh, in, in somewhat, even, even if a, a, a weak way, kind of a weak defense, a mild defense of, you know, white people, they will never say white people. They would say, you know, working people, decent people, uh, people who are willing to work rather than steal, blah, blah. You know, like <laughs> these are all euphemisms for white people because they won't say it, but they won't even do that anymore. Now they're trying to one up the liberals and the Democrats on being more uh, against the police and more on the side of blacks. And so coordinated directly this time or not, it could be maybe evidence will come out of that. Evidence has come out about things like that in the past, but they know so well what their narrative on this is that they some people can probably just be left on their own to go and cover it and they'll all come to the same coverage no matter what. Yes, CNN's team was arrested uh, this morning at 5 uh, a.m. And uh, mm. even there, there, CNN claims that only the, the black journalist was uh, arrested. But uh, from their own <coughs> live stream, you can see that the whole CNN crew was arrested. I don't know why they were arrested. I don't care. Uh, I've been arrested also for live streaming. So I, I uh, when I was arrested, the liberals were very fine with that. Uh, so even right. with that, they try to to spin uh, the thing that yeah, the police is super racist. But uh, is the police racist? Do, I, well, the police aren't racist. Well, there's a few things going on with that. Which is one, you know, it's hard to know how much of this is a setup, how much of this is all scripted. Not, I don't want to sound like tinfoil hat here, but think about this. I'm not saying the riots are scripted or anything like that, but the way Donald Trump has been behaving on Twitter. And the things he's been saying 
and then some of these reactions. I wonder if some of this is like, I wonder if that's a setup because Donald Trump is out here saying things like, oh, we're going to go and, you know, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. That's an obvious threat. I'm going to use force to, against looters to make them stop. He gets he gets uh, censored for that. He gets called out by all the liberal media across the board. Then he says today he makes, oh, that's not what I was saying. I was saying the black people might shoot each other if they loot. Of course, that's true, too. That's more likely to be true. But then we have this, uh, of course, the the CNN black journalist, you know, the one, uh, you know, he gets arrested in, in sort of the, the dawn. It was seemed like it was a dawn, like very early in the morning. The streets were empty. You could still see the smoldering embers of, you know, what was once there burning. And then there's just riot cops everywhere, but there's not really any other people. And then this guy is in the middle of the street. Then he gets arrested. So and then he gets released right away. You know, so after so it seems like it's almost a, a, a staged event to trigger some kind of outrage mob and, and direct attention once again away from what's really going on in Minneapolis and, and um, allow two the sort of two phony sides of the political narrative to each get what they want. The the left side of the kosher sandwich gets all oh, police racism, uh, suppression of free speech. And then the right side gets, oh, look at this, cops based, like finally arresting people. And it just it just seems so fake and, and phony to me and contrived. And yeah, they arrest him. They let him go. Also, why would you arrest this guy if he was in the way? Tell him to go get out of the way. But what's he in the way of? It's not like the cops are doing anything. You know, the one guy they arrest is like a reporter. I mean, that's ridiculous. And yes, as you said, if you've been arrested. You know, people have been arrested. I mean, it's not like these people are outraged by uh you know, police suppressing free speech. I mean, I was at Charlottesville, like they had no problem with that suppression of free speech. So these people are complete hypocrites on that, on that uh, matter. So I don't take them seriously at all. If they're talking about first amendment rights, I mean, they, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so, and, and no, the cops are not uh, racist. In fact, when you look at the relationship of police violence to the amount of black criminals and perpetrators, violent perpetrators that have police confrontations, uh, police are far more likely to shoot white people. Uh, of course, it's a much smaller percentage of, of violent uh, crime and violent police uh, altercations, but whites are more likely to get shot. Uh, the percent, the, the relative amount of police encounters that, that violent black criminals have, they are shot relatively less than any other race. So police are not racist. In fact, they are very skittish in dealing with blacks and they have been trained to be so both at the direct training they receive from the police department. And then the way that they have, they fear uh, the media and they fear brigades of lawyers and civil rights activists and, and all the other stuff. And, you know, cops themselves will tell you this if depending on, on the circumstance. So at this point, police are just like, you know, it's not it's kind of pointless to even bother trying to enforce the law in this country. I am just here to collect my overtime and my pension and hopefully retire in 20 years, get an SUV and a big screen TV and watch football in a suburb for the rest of my life and hope that the the, the, the unrest doesn't reach my house. That's yeah, what cops are in it for at this point. Yeah, this uh, Derek Chauvin that uh, got uh, that was involved in this, in this case, uh, nobody sane would say that he deliberately... Uh, did this but about the the trump tweet i read from the from a finnish so-called journalist that uh, when looting starts uh, shooting starts is a reference to a 1968 race riot in uh, miami 
in Florida and uh, that's a uh, police chief in 1968 that said we don't mind being accused of police brutality they haven't seen anything yet and he said hmm. 90% of our Negro population is law-abiding and wants to eliminate our crime problem but 10% are young hoodlums who have taken advantage of the civil rights campaign so that could be a reference uh, to this statement uh, and so going back to the 60s Trump making a reference to I don't know if he did that but that's what the, our Finnish media claims uh, but anyhow it it's not it's no reason to to censor the president uh, on on Twitter no I mean it it could be it could be that 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 is a quote from that I, I would have to look into that I mean there was a time in America when Civil rights was very actually, you know, the way they present it now uh, is civil rights is it's a done deal. It was one of the the greatest periods of uh, in the history of this country. It was uh, freedom was expanding, and we, you know, the bad guys, the white supremacists, the KKK, the racist Southerners, the evil cops, like they were all pushed back, and rights were gotten, and things like that. Martin Luther King and people held. It's all bogus. It's all nonsense, right? Uh, it was a traumatic period. It still, you know, at that time, it was very traumatic because it also it had a similar effect. Like essentially, blacks are being told, like you know, y- you are going to be able to do whatever you want. And there was a lot of uh, riots at that time. There was a lot of cities that burned down. There were cities that were once nice that have never recovered. Detroit, Newark, New Jersey. These are cities that have never recovered from from the 1960s. I mean, there are buildings in Detroit that still have burn marks on them from the fires in the 1960s. And I guess maybe there was and some there were some people that were known as like these kind of hard nosed police chiefs that kind of were from the previous generation where they were used to, you know, handling blacks roughly in order to keep them in line. And this was what the white community wanted. And this was some elements in the black community wanted as well. Uh, And it was just seen as necessary just what you have to do. Like this is, you know, for better or for worse, the United States has this issue with this black minority uh i don't think that that was there was on the getting sending them back to africa or something it wasn't on the table so what can you do well what you have to do is you have to treat them a little roughly you have to treat the 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 criminal elements you know you got to come down hard and, and keep them in line and most black people actually wanted that themselves but now we're in a totally different situation well i don't think that you could say that i don't think you could say most black people want uh some amount of order kept and and to suppress the the uh hoodlum uh minority among blacks i would say that the black community has degenerated significantly since those days and they are now they don't care yeah and it's uh, what do they care yeah and it's strange to see how fast this uh, development has been on so many areas and in the 1990s it was com- a completely normal opinion for democrats to be for tough uh, punishments for crime and uh, Uh, a lot of the uh, uh, laws that uh, led to uh, the mass incarceration of black people that then led to a, dec- a significant decrease in crime, they were Democrat bills. And these mm-hmm. days we are at the point that when you when the president says that when the looting starts, the shooting starts, then people act like, oh my God, how can you say that? I, 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 I am right. I'm supposed to get to loot without without consequence. So like that is is that really the American spirit 2020? What happened there? Well, I mean, it's the the people that think that are allowed to say it. The people that think otherwise aren't allowed to say it. Like the people that think otherwise, they, I guarantee you there are millions of people that uh, heartily agree with what Trump said there. 
Absolutely. They would love it. They wanted to see. I know it's the case. There were millions of people that wanted to see National Guard roll through that city and roll everyone up that was doing that. And the problem is it's just not going to happen. It, it can't happen. There are too many powerful interest groups. I don't think blacks themselves are aware with the kind of about the kind of um, wall of protection that uh, Jewish lawyers and, and volunteer Jewish legal activist organizations uh, create for them, the level of cover that they create for them and how much the, uh, you know, the, the will of the dwindling white majority on how to deal with crime and how to keep order is, is consistently thwarted to the point where now white people have just been trained to accept this. Like the, the idea that it could be different is fading from, from people. That's like one of the reasons why, you know, people talk about boomers a lot, like uh, white people from a previous generation who for them, the idea of expecting law and order, it's not alien. Like once you get to my generation and younger people, are like, they're not going to ever do anything to blacks. Are you kidding me? That's not just not going to happen because we've never seen it in our lives. Maybe when I was younger, when I was a very little kid, when, you know, Joe Biden was saying things like, you know, I don't care if this person was a victim of society. I just want them to not be able to hurt my family and things like that, which he got, you know, he was going to get in trouble for that. But they kind of dropped it. But he said that because in 19 in the 1980s, when he said that he had to white people were going to be the majority of people who were going to vote for him, even though he's a Democrat. He still had to get white votes, and particularly working-class white votes, who exactly those people felt that way. They were like, I don't, I do not want to hear a sob story about how this poor black kid was raised wrong. Like, I just don't want him to be able to rob my house or or go near my wife and kids. Like, I just want him out. And that's the sentiment of the, of the general population. And uh, they, through significant use of schools, civil rights indoctrination, slavery indoctrination, white guilt uh, and media, they have just beaten that out of people. And um, no one really at this point, even people that would like order enforced are just blackpilled on it. And they're like, this is not going to happen. Whatever this country's done, like just watch it burn. Like that's the feeling that I'm seeing amongst a lot of people. You, the the media, of course, lies that's uh, given. But uh, you mentioned the white shop owner that was arrested because uh, protecting your business is not uh, it's not mm -hmm. allowed in Minnesota. Um, but it the, the white population is completely numb because you would think that maybe someone would organize a protest against the arrest of this uh, shop owner or something but nothing is happening and let's imagine that someone would organize a protest f for the uh, arrested shop owner would anybody attend that meeting and if they did how would it the, how would it end would it go like charlottesville or uh, and what is the what is the reason that people are so numb nowadays is it the media and will this be forever or is there a breaking point or a turning point? Um, I would say that no, that no one probably didn't even occur to people, to white people to do that. White people are suffering from a crisis of advocacy. We have no advocates. Politicians won't talk about advocating for us. I mean, Donald Trump, who was supposed to be a white advocate or, or elected by whites to take to do the policy changes that they wanted is a total traitor and here he is saying he's not going to crack down i mean if you thought donald trump was going to do one thing you would think he would crack down on black riots there was black riots when he was running and he signaled very hard about that 
So, you know, the idea of doing it probably didn't occur to anybody. And if it did, everybody would tell them no one's going to show up, dude. Don't stick your neck out. It's not worth it. Like if people do show up, they'll just get Charlottesville. They'll just get ambushed by the cops. Antifa will be there and will be allowed free reign to just beat people up. And if you defend yourself, you go to jail. It's all a setup. It's just it's brutal. It's brutal and narco tyranny. It's, it's demoralizing and it's dispiriting. And you wonder, is there a breaking point? I don't know. I think the first thing we have to do, I, I think that to try to jump right into that kind of thing, it would be premature to do it now. And then it would deliver to this, seeing the results of that would deliver another blow to, to the morale of whites uh, where it would just be like, yeah, see, you just can't do anything. I think people need to have their, I mean, this is a, this is going to sound a bit cliche, a bit like the thing that everybody says, but I think people need to have their consciousness on this race, not to the differences between race, not to the reality of race. Cause I don't really believe that people don't see those things. I think it's quite clear that when you see these kinds of activities, when you see things like what happened after Hurricane Katrina in 2005, when you see things like Ferguson and Baltimore and now this, that people, I don't believe that Americans are, white Americans are just confused about what's going on, that they see people that are their equals or something like that. No, they just know what the proper thing you're supposed to say is and how you're supposed to not discuss it because it's a, it's a dicey topic. And then the right platitudes you're supposed to mouth in order to keep your position in society to the best you can. What I don't think white people realize is how under attack and disfavored they are. Whereas I think there are some like these uh, the McMichaels family who believe that they could still engage in their constitutionally protected rights, like the right to bear arms, right to self-defense. So I, th- I don't think people are quite white people are quite they're realizing that yet. And I think that's the most important thing. Like white people know about black people in America. Generally speaking, if there's someone in America doesn't know about the racial differences with whites and blacks, like I, 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 that's, they're already so far behind everybody else. So what I would, what I want to work on is telling white people, look, you can be a Republican and you could signal this way. You could be a Democrat and a liberal and signal this way. We have two examples in the last month. We have the McMichaels brothers who are probably white conservatives gun owners want to enforce law and order. Now they're in jail charged with hate crimes. And we have this uh, very lib, probably very likely a liberal woman, a democratic woman probably hates Trump. Uh, but she gets scared by a black man jumping out of the bushes at her and she calls the cops. And now she's in the same boat. So no ideology protects you. No political, uh, you know, camouflage you try and cover yourself with is going to protect you. And so just wake up to that reality. And I think, it's a bitter pill to swallow, but once that's swallowed, then I think that's the first step before we can even begin to try and do a protest or push back in that way. It's just, we, people have to understand the real predicament. And, you know, if somebody told me they were going to organize a protest like that, I would say, you know, how many people do you have? Like, what's your plan? Cause I, I just, I don't know that you're not, that this will end well for you. I'd have to be, I'd be very wary of it, you know? So it's unfortunate, but that's what it is. I mean, it would be totally smeared by the media. You would be called terrorists. You would be called uh, violent white supremacists. You would definitely be framed up for some sort of violence. Uh, the cops would look the other way as at the very least, the cops would look the other way as anarchists beat on you. And so this is the Charlottesville paradigm. And, you know, this is what they've decided they're going to do rather than come in with police and, and crack skulls themselves. They just let anarchists run wild. 
and then they they don't have to do any of of the dirty work themselves and maybe make us look like martyrs or make us look like we were sympathetic because we're we're the ones getting beaten up by the police right it's always a good look on some level to be to you being the one that the police are attacking there's a certain amount of respect you'll get from that but when they just sit back and they just let anarchist mobs attack you and then arrest you when you fight back i mean it's a brilliant strategy and uh they have mastered it and certainly elements of the Antifa are absolutely in contact with law enforcement at all times. I mean, anybody that's in any young people that are in Antifa, they think they're fighting for communism or uh, socialism or anarcho socialism, or they read, you know, Mikhail Bakunin or Kropotkin is no, like that's nonsense. You're there to go and cause problems for, you know, anti-immigration and white nationalist activists. That's your only job. And you see that same in Finland very obviously that uh, we have these online cops that work on Twitter or Facebook or pretend to work there. And they openly post like uh, f- f- photos that they have took with some Somali kids or Antifa activists. And they think that that's some sort of like a community outreach that they are looking cool when they are posing with these far leftists. When in fact they only look like morons because they are, they are they're smiling with the biggest uh, offenders against the police that they are the guys stoning police in riots they are the ones throwing smoke bombs at the police and these cops are smiling by these uh, by the side of these guys so it seems sort of suicidal from cops to take the side of these guys who honestly hate them but of course are willing to use them in their own benefit when they just can yeah, I mean, the co- cops themselves, I mean, you have to understand the cop mindset, which is a lot of people become cops because, you know, they they don't, they're not there to fight against the system or even analyze the system. They, they are a system functionary. So they are not, like, they don't, they get their orders. They get, the, the, you know, and there might be some here and there that, that, that critique the system or have different ideas. They'll probably resign. I mean, there have been some we've, you know, we, we've had contact, we've had emails and contacts from people that are listeners that used to be cops and quit because this kind of stuff has been, this has happened. It's rare, but typically, you know, I've known guys that have become cops and they're generally, they're not the biggest brains. They're not creative and much, not just being not big brain. They're not creative thinkers. They're just, this is a job. It's a bureaucratic job. Uh, I can go through it. I can do it for 20 years. I can clock a lot of overtime. It's not actually all that dangerous. It's not. I mean, there are jobs. I mean, there are jobs that are much more dangerous than being a cop in America. Actually, amazingly. And um, let's just push through, get my twenty years in, retire, and I'm good. I'm set. Then that's that's the main mentality of most police. And it might be the same in Finland. I've heard from others in Europe that it's essentially the same kind of an attitude. They're not there to critique the system. They know who the criminals are and who the criminals aren't. Uh, but they're, they're not there to change anything. They're not there to critique the system. They're there to collect the paycheck. And so expecting a cop to be a revolutionary or a cop to even be a dissident is just silly. Like they're not going to do it. They're going to enforce other rules that their bosses tell them to. And that's their job. That's what they're going to do. So you got to just expect that they do not actually particularly give a crap one way or the other. If the public likes them or dislikes them. Um, you know, people at Charlottesville and at some other protests I've been to tried waving blue lives matter flags and saying thin blue line, we support you. Cause this is when, you know, they were under very much attack 
because of all the black rioting and things like that several years ago. They don't care. They're like, whatever, you know, okay. Like what, how are we even supposed to react to that? Like they, you know, it's, it's not going to save you if they're, if the, if the directive is that group of protesters are the troublemakers. Those that's the group. That's the protest that we want shut down one way or the other. So let the anarchists create enough violence that it can get shut down, shut it down. And if those, if the uh, whites try and stick around, then you crack their skulls and it doesn't matter. If they're waving blue lives matter flags. Cops just laugh at that. Who cares? It's not our problem. Yeah, it's it's so, exactly the same thing in Finland. That uh, they, the police, they are robots. They don't uh, they don't care. But we in Finland, the situation is not yet so bad as in the US. Yeah. So we we have a a small hope that maybe we can uh, uh, make sense or make them understand this uh, this problem that if they go on with this and why why is it that in finland of all places the antifa gets to uh, hit you with a bike lock i've been hit a, with a bike lock um, i've been pushed around i've been jailed for no reason while these terrorists they get uh, a free pass why is it that even in finland uh, the, the, it's it's a copy of the the other uh, western countries exactly uh, the same everywhere so there is, a, the, as you said, the left and right or this uh, ideology thing, the the woman that uh, is a liberal calls uh, the police for a black man, that doesn't count. So there is some one thing that is common to all these. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that this is this is um, the element here. I mean, I think we're talking about the, the Jewish issue here where essentially the direction – on uh, tone of politics is, is set by by Jews in in most of the Western world. I don't know totally the situation in Finland, but I imagine you have media influence and political influence there, Zionist influence, and uh, certainly in the United States, you know, we can look at um, the NAACP was started by Jewish lawyers. Uh, the civil rights movement was, uh, you know, the, the Freedom Riders were mostly Jewish students. Many of the leaders of uh, you know anti Vietnam War protest groups as well as pro-vietnam war uh, people were also were also jewish um and and the sort of protest movements in the 60s in the united states are very jewish and they've they've kind of taken over the culture they 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 run the media and they put out media messaging and they have great political influence and this is the way they want it to be i mean if you look if you go and look at how they discuss what their politics are among themselves kinds of things they advocate for you, you know you will see sometimes uh jews will advocate that they'll be very racist in their own way towards towards arabs and middle easterners and when advocating for war with with iranians or wanting to you know annex the west bank they're they're very racist in the way they talk but then all of a sudden they'll turn it on a dime and talk about how the west is always been a melting pot we must open our doors, open our borders, uh, and be friendly to everyone. And it's it's like you know the extent of the how much people believe in it or not. I think there's some that do and some that don't, but it doesn't matter because this is the direction that the political state is taking. And it seems like it's from the United States uh, all through Western Europe and even you know sort of Finland, which I guess is somewhere in between Western and 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 uh, you know Russia. Um, 
so I, I would just say that that's the common denominator there is, is Zionism, Zionist political control and Zionist ideology, which is, you know, nationalism for us and everyone else needs to have a melting pot because we don't want to have strong nations to compete with us or potentially be enemies with us. I mean, we, they want to be the strongest nation. So it's fairly obvious that this is a strategy they're employing. And uh, the issue is how do we break that level of political control and, and narrative control? And a lot of people think that events like this are helpful in that respect. Like when you talk about accelerationism, like this is a helpful event in terms of breaking narrative control. I think, I think it can be, I think people have to let people know what the real stakes are now. And in Finland, you can certainly say, look, uh, look at America. Do we really want that? Uh, Cause that's where we are objectively going. And it's not just that that's where we're going. If we, um, you know, don't close our borders or something like that. It's like white people, if we don't change our fundamental attitude towards ourselves, how we view ourselves, our own self-image, uh, we're going to let ourselves globally be walked all over like this. And we can't, we just have to stop it. We had to put a stop to it. Usually in Finland, we say, just look at Sweden. Uh, it's a neighboring hmm. country and uh, they are yeah. way much more uh, multiculturals. And you, you had Ingrid Kalkvist in one of your shows, I, I mm-hmm. think. And uh, she explained that uh, Sweden opened its borders in 1975. And it was a Jewish guy that did that or was behind this uh, thing. Yes. And Finland opened its borders in 1990. So it was 15 years after that. But I don't think there was any i don't know if there was any jewish influence behind this but um, yeah finland is much into it because i wouldn't be surprised if there was i mean you know if there's a you know if there's a few jews in a country they are right there moving and shaking i mean you know we we used to make fun of this guy um man i forget uh, i forget his name he was the irish this irish guy irish jew who had like 10 different government jobs and all of them were related to to every like every Jewish agenda. I forget the guy's name, but yeah. yeah so it, it's, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And you have, you see it really in the strangest places, like, uh, uh, like uh, in South Africa, in the anti-apartheid movement, there was a huge mm-hmm. representation of Lithuanian Jews. And you would at first think that what do Lithuanian Jews have to do with South Africa? Why would they care but they, uh, wherever white interests are somehow undermined, they seem to be there. Yeah, and the thing about South Africa is, you know, there's a town, a, a town in South Africa called uh, Orania, I believe. If I got that wrong, somebody yes. can correct me later. That is a very small town. There's only about 1,300 people that live there. It's it's an all white Boer town. It's really an all Boer town. So it's it's I don't believe uh, maybe English live there. I'm not sure. But I believe that they would be, they, you know, they would, they wouldn't, uh, the Boers and the English have a, <laughs> we don't need to go into that. This is a very long history, which is also a problem, though, because white people shouldn't, should actually kind of just let it go. Because at this point, like, when those blacks come for you, they are not going to care if you're Boer or English, frankly. They're just going to slit your throat because you're white. So I think at some point, and I think some South Africans are starting to realize that. But this is a town of 1,300 people. And the international Jewish press is making a big deal of this. Meanwhile, Jews in South Africa have several Jewish-only communities that are, you know, that in, in, in Orania, they, they built their own uh, uh, public uh, water works, their own public plumbing system and, and things like this. They built it all themselves, and they don't live extravagantly. 
I mean, these are Jewish communities in South Africa that are, you know, gated. They live in mansions. Of course, they have black help. So they bring blacks in. It's a very, it's like apartheid all over again, many little apartheid states all over. And there are several of them. Uh, there's an article on, on national uh, hyphen justice.com, Eric Stryker's website about this. It's called the Jewish Oranias of South Africa. It's from several months ago where he went over all the little uh, Jew only uh, settlements in South Africa. And of course, what, what do those people do? What, what are those Jews doing? Well, what are they doing? They, they diamond mining, right? These are these are people that are doing diamond. That's why they're in South Africa. They're there for gold and diamonds. And uh, that's the business that they're in. And, you know, they get their little gated communities and they get the black help and they get the state endorsing them having their own separate communities because the ANC or, or whatever the political party involved in there, Julius Malema and all these people, they're not going to mess with the Jews. You know, they get to do whatever they want. And this is because, you know, part of it is just their power, their money, their influence. Uh, their control of the media, et cetera. But part of it is also like they have gotten so many white people in the world to believe that morally it is perfectly fine for Jews to engage in separatism. But any kind of white collective action or white self-interest is is off the table and morally so. And, and it is bad. You're a bad person for doing it. And, and as we all know, the, the, the abuse of the Holocaust narrative in creating this situation. Uh, so, that's that's what's going on. I mean, Jews will be allowed to have their own ethnic enclaves in any country in the West, whether it be South Africa, Europe or America. It's it, the, the idea that you would ever I mean, they have them in America. We have Jewish. Uh, they have their own police. They have their own militias that are allowed to enforce the law. Yeah, was it the Shomrim or something? Yes, they call it the Shomrim. That's their own police, and they are allowed to arrest people. They're allowed to detain people. If they beat up a black guy, they don't get in trouble. Happened a few years ago. They beat a black guy so bad, they detached his retina and made him go blind in one eye, yeah, and so, they all got away with it. So the, the important thing is the media influence, as uh, anybody can see, that uh, mm. these people, they have control of the media, uh, whereas, mm. of course, nowadays we have also our own medias, but we have yeah. such a smaller reach that it doesn't really uh, matter to them. But if we get a bigger reach, then they will ban us, like on Twitter, on YouTube. I wouldn't YouTube, say it doesn't on... matter to them. I think it matters a lot. Like, they get, they don't like any interruption in their monopoly on on political and social narrative control over white uh, Western countries. They don't like it. Even, even, uh, even the small uh, little media complex that we've developed through hard work of our own, like people working hard, avoiding bans, uh, keeping websites up when they get hacked and they get attacked and keeping themselves alive and managing to get, you know, donations to keep them, to keep themselves going. This is, um, very hard work and it's constant work and it makes you feel like you're constantly under pressure all the time. I mean, it, it's, it's rewarding in its own way. It's kind of fun. It's like kind of an adventure, but you know, they don't like it and they wouldn't be making such a big deal out of all oh, anti-Semitism is going crazy. Oh my God. White supremacy, racism. I mean, that's all them basically building a narrative by which they're going to continue to oppress us, by which they're going to continue to try and make us shut up. And they're going to say that they're justified in doing so. Because if we get to speak, if we get to speak out and we get to talk to white people and tell white people, you know, there's nothing wrong with being white and there's nothing wrong with collectivizing 
for common uh, goals as whites. Well, what's hap- what 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 what's their story that happens next? Their story is next thing is we start gassing them. Literally, that's what it is. We're going to gas them if we're allowed to have our own uh, political autonomy. And so the, we had to point out to people just how absolutely absurd that is because they're always going to fall back on that. Yeah, that, that's the ADL hate pyramid. Yeah. Uh, talking yeah. about uh, donations, uh, we have 1,100 uh, viewers on DLive. Oh, that's some good. Of them, We have also uh, viewers on Periscope and VK. And you can send super chats at unislocker.live or on DLive and uh, uh, we'll read them. We can At the end, we can talk about the gay and fake executive order of Trump and <laughs> the Twitter situation and other stuff. But uh, Tina wants to say uh, uh, Yeah, I was uh, just about the Israel thing that uh, USA seems to stand out a lot when it comes to Israel. That uh, if you look at European countries uh, in... Uh, vast majority of them, uh, critical opinions of Israel are very common and they are completely accepted that we don't really uh, have that sort of emotional bond with Israel. But in America, uh, uh, being pro-Israel has been tied to this sort of evangelical Christianity and it seems to be such a sacred matter that it's something that almost all Americans unite behind that you you mustn't criticize Israel and anti-Semitism is the worst thing of all. And even like the Republicans who scream for free speech in all other situations go absolutely crazy when Ilhan Omar says something about APAC and demand that she will be shut down. So it seems that America isn't the easiest uh, like target audience to get people to become woke when it comes to Israel or the Jewish influence. So how how do you can, do you think that sort of attitude can be tackled? Well, first of all, I think that the impression of um of 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 how much people support Israel is probably overblown. I get this a lot from people that aren't Americans. Like you don't hear people in America talking about Israel like really much at all and I think part of it is one they don't know much about it they don't really care much about it and uh if if they people are politically aware they they know actually you shouldn't talk about it like it's so so people say they support it but they really just don't want to answer the question they're kind of afraid of it there are very rabid I'm not going to deny that there are very rabid supporters of Israel most of them are Jewish and they do have a small contingent of of very vocal evangelical Christians and things like that. But that is a declining number of people. It was never very big. That is mainly a scapegoat. Jews themselves, when they understand that, you know, the policies of Israel are not popular and that they're also not very popular among the left in America and particularly the left wing youth. And increasingly it's unpopular among the right wing youth in America. And that is going to really start driving them crazy because they counted on the fact that they had the right under total control for years. And it, I think it came as a bit of a shock when they started seeing right-wing youth starting to like really stop supporting Israel. And um, so I, I think that a lot of it is a result of one, people just not engaging very much on the topic because they're kind of afraid. And then sort of like the default position, like if you if you were to walk down the street, you ask any American, like, are you a racist? Be like, no, of course not. Right. And it, it, they could go home and still be like, wow, I really wish Trump would like unleash the National Guard on these black rioters. Right. They still don't. No, I'm not a racist. Right. Let's go the same thing. Just say, are you support Israel? Yeah, sure. 
you know, that's kind of the, that's the depth of the feeling. The real issue is that the reason that it's so intense here is because this is the heart of empire and it's most important for them to control the military political foreign policy complex here through things like APAC and other things. So the control here has to be the most intense, uh, particularly political. So you'll see politicians go out and sing, you know, hymns to Israel, but it's not, they're not, they're not getting asked by their constituents to do that. Their constituents would rather have them like deport illegal immigrants and, you know, bring back manufacturing jobs. Like that's going to be a lot more interesting to, to average American people that vote GOP than, um, you know, loving Israel. It, it seems like there is a contingent of people that are like that, but again, without Jews being in basically total control of the Republican Party and also conservative media. I mean, even more so than liberal media, Jews are in control of conservative media. Like they have a total lockdown on that. <laughs> you, you know, liberal media, sometimes occasionally criticism of Israel will creep through because they have to keep uh, this diverse coalition happy. Not so much with conservative media. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it's overblown. And when you see, you know, people will go out and they'll attack the law on Omar. Now, you would never, as a Republican, go out and, and attack like a black woman. I mean, that's racist to do that, right? Well, suddenly, all of this is why I also don't buy this idea that Republicans are so afraid of being called racist. What Republicans are afraid of is losing donations from their Jewish donors. That's the only thing they're afraid of. They'll be racist as hell. They'll say racist stuff to, to uh, you know, the squad, to AOC and Rashida Taleb and Ilan Omar. They'll say all kinds of racist things to them because they're allowed to, because Jews told them it was okay. So it's not like the, the racism thing. I think that that is all this stuff is you got to understand the paradigm of, of control and what people think they're allowed to do and how they behave in order to kind of show the power system that they're, they're not a threat. They're not, they're not going to put there in line with everything, but it's like, if they, is this really what people think or are they just kind of going with, with what they think the default is? I mean, and in, in, in America, it's really rare for someone to be vocally outspoken about Israel. It usually happens on the left. Uh, I remember years ago, actually I had a coworker who was a young kid. It's in New York. He wasn't from New York. He was from the Midwest or something very left lefty liberal type kid. And he, he made after work one day, we were working late and he made some comments about Israel. And I was like, dude, shut up. <laughs> like you are going to, you, you do not want to say that kind of thing in New York city. He's like, well, I thought it was liberal here. And I was like, dude, it's very liberal, but hmm, <laughs> you're in the heart of it here. My friend, don't, don't risk your job, you know? So that's how people feel. Yeah. There's a uh, rising move. America first movement, uh, anti-Israel mm -hmm. movement. I, with Nicola, Nicolas Fuentes. I hope that they don't get bought. But for example, when Ilhan Omar uh, praised the uh, riots in uh, Minneapolis, uh, she was bashed by the conservatives. But when Trump got uh, censored by Twitter, they compared it to uh, to this Iranian guy that said uh, Zionists uh, are not okay, and she and he was not censored on Twitter. So. Uh, these people, the way they they handle topics, it's a very uh, well. It's not very complex, but uh, for the average guy, it might might be confusing to see who is doing what, because you you said that uh, there's lots of Zionists, but in Europe, most most of the governments they are openly pro-Palestine. Sweden is openly 
pro-Palestine, uh, Finland is doing whatever Sweden says. And so there are not many pro-Israel, officially pro-Israel, but at the same time they are pro-Israel. So it's uh, for the average guy, it's, it's very difficult to to see what is happening. And uh, so that's very easy for them to label us as uh, conspiracy theorists where, uh, while thing is created. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in Europe, like they, they'll signal pro-Palestine, they're not going to do anything though. Like yeah. they're, 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 they they will um, in harmless ways because they're, they're, because again, they know what the opinions of the people are. Like Europeans don't have any reason to like Israel. And in fact, they, they could potentially, I've been told some of them see uh, themselves as, as like a native people Whereas, uh, you know, I, I, I have some skepticism about this narrative, but it's out there that Americans are a settler people. We settled this continent and Israelis are settling Palestine. And there's like some kind of affinity with them and Native Americans. That doesn't really exist, but there's things that pretend like it does. And so I think that's put I think that's kind of BS. I think just Europeans just don't care and they didn't have the political controls Um that we have in the U.S. to 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 kind of make that our opinion. So politicians in in Europe will say these things, but they'll do what Israel wants in the end. I mean, Swedish politicians they may say, "Oh, we want peace in Palestine. We don't raid, no racism against Palestinians is terrible," but they're not going to do anything to help them. And in the end, they'll just do whatever Israel wants anyway. I mean, that's 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 throughout the West. So. um yeah, I think I think it's just a matter of how the media uh, the media frames. It. I mean, there are people that think there are, you know, the the neoconservative Jews in uh, America also they have very tight control over their narrative. So they will criticize something like the New York Times, which is a completely Jewish owned newspaper, and it's a Zionist newspaper. As as then they will say it's like pro Palestinian. They'll talk about national public radio, which is sort of state funded uh, radio or that people get mad about that. It's not totally state funded, but it's it's don't it's listener funded It's public radio. I think they get some money from the state. I'm not sure. But um, they call it national Palestinian radio because they take a, like a slightly more even handed approach to it than Fox News. But of course, whenever something comes up in the Congress about money to Israel or uh, anti-BDS laws, you know, you get overwhelming support, if not unanimous support. So certainly money to Israel always gets voted 100% in the Congress, always. Because if it doesn't, if you don't vote for that, you can say whatever you want. On some level, they understand, you know, certain politicians have to be able to say things to their constituents in order to get elected again. But it doesn't matter that much as long as they end up signing the name to, you know, $38 billion check to Israel. And they all will. And if they don't, that's when they all of a sudden they will lose. I think Ilan Omar is not going to be around very much longer. To be, I don't think she's going to. I don't. Think, I think they're going to find a way to get rid of her. They're going to fund the Democrat that's going to call her an anti-Semite, and then she's out. Because liberals are still very uh, vulnerable to the charge of anti-Semitism. They don't like it. Yeah, I think uh, it has come a bit as a bit of a surprise to the Democrat establishment uh, how these younger socialists aren't under their control in this matter. That I I think they were pretty uncomfortable with that Ilhan Omar situation. But you see this thing debated a lot also in the nationalist scene uh, that uh, there are sort of two camps when it comes to 
uh, or at least uh, two clear camps uh, and a lot of people who fall between them when it comes to Israel that some people say that we should support Palestine because they are another people subjugated by Zionists and then there are other people who say that no we should be for uh, the state of Israel so that uh, there wouldn't be any more Jewish diaspora into our countries <laughs> so where do you fall on that issue well that's that's ridiculous i mean i obviously support palestine and and uh, i support the rights of palestinian people to uh, return to their homes i believe that they should all have the right to return to their homes i believe they should be compensated to be given their land back that was stolen by the jews it should be compensated and uh and uh, you know that that's that's the way and then after that if jews want to live there well then they will have to work that out with the people that live there they'll have to come to some agreement with them and it's not my problem to negotiate that or to fund that or to give military aid to jews that wish to violently take over that part of the world so i think palestinians deserve to go back to their homes get their money back get restitution and the jews if you want to live there so badly well, figure it out how you're going to do it peacefully. It's not my problem to help you with that, particularly when you're busy dispossessing me and my people from my country. That's my position on it. And I would say Jews don't they don't need your permission for Israel in America. Supporting Israel. What does that mean? That just means your position is irrelevant. It just means your position falls in line with the basic position of the entire government complex. Uh, Jews aren't going to go to Israel. The diaspora is not going to just, what are they going to up and leave? How are you going to, how, why? Israel is dependent on the diaspora. They need them here making money. So that, and then lobbying, controlling uh, organizations like APAC, having these innumerable Jewish organizations that uh, lobby, uh, bribe, coerce, cajole politicians, run the media. They need political, financial control of the United States in order to maintain their place in Israel. If they all left the United States, I mean, it's just, it's, it's silly. It's not going to happen. And my thing is also like, if there was ever a point at which whites like took back power, and this is, this is a fantasy, right? This is right now a very hypothetical situation. And we could say, tell the Jews, okay, it's time to go. We, we are, we're going to send you away now. Well, why should we send them to Israel? I would say, you know, Siberia looks nice this time of year. I mean, if we're just making up scenarios in our head, I see no reason why they should be able to go where they want to. So, uh, but that's not how this is, any of this is going to work out. The issue right now is that Jews are in power. And when you see how, and, and at the very least, people should be, I think, strategic on this. And I'm not saying go to a free Palestine march or, you know, tattoo the Palestinian flag on your cheek or, or, or like go and march with Arabs and student groups that, you know, the pro-Palestinian activist movement in the United States is completely Jewish controlled. And they do that because they don't want, they, they want to make sure that it doesn't develop into anti-Jewish things. So they, they go in, it's, it's usually controlled by Jewish women, and then they'll promote like uh, Arab women who usually say they're LGBT or something, and they've got like nose rings and whatever. And that's like the campus scene. And these are like the free Palestine people. And uh, the, there are always Jews out in front of it, and they're always policing it to make sure it, it, it always talks about, well, we want a peaceful solution, Jews and Arabs can live together, Oh, it's it's going to be a big hand-holding thing. And that's never going to happen. The Jews know that's never going to happen. But they're just holding this activism off from, from going in a direction they don't want. Why they don't like when they really get scared is when the right starts being pro-Palestinian and there are no 
Jewish leaders in our movement. There is no Jewish ability to come in and, and like astroturf and take over our movement. So at that point, they get really nervous. And I would say, one, it's worth uh, just on the basis of justice. It's worth supporting. OK, just it's, it's just a, just the a basic. Here's the situation. It seems to me this is the just solution. And also, you see how hard Jews work to fight against BDS and left wing Palestinian movements. Well, imagine if they didn't have to worry about doing that, how much more energy and money they would have to come after us. We were just listened to uh, Eric Stryker and I did a podcast last week or a couple of days ago, Tuesday, actually. We listened to a, a Zionist a planning session that was leaked from Zoom. And they were talking about uh, different kinds of, you know, ops they were doing, different kinds of political operations they're doing in America to, to push their agenda. One of them is the Charlottesville stuff. They're suing everybody. They want to make sure white supremacy is blank. The headlines are blanketed with stuff about white supremacy and how evil white people are and racism and blah, blah, blah. And the next thing is, oh, we also want to make sure that we, we, we nip BDS in the bud and here's all the laws we've gotten passed and here's the approaches we're taking, but this is still a big threat. And so I'm saying, imagine if that was off the table and all of that money and energy could be focused just on white nationalists. It would be worse. We'll be worse for us. So I, I think that uh, where we can create problems for these people, we should. I mean, they create problems for us where where they can. I mean, look at what they're doing with the you know, blacks are like rioting and destroying cities and we can't even call the cops. And here we are saying like, hmm, maybe we should support like the Jewish, you know, ethno state. Like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh my, my position is that uh, we should forget those uh, Middle Eastern countries. We should not have anything to do with them. Uh, BDS is anti-constitutional. Uh, yes, it's, 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 it's an infringement on my rights. Yeah. If I want to boycott Israel, then I, you know, depending on the circumstances, like if you have a business and you want to do business with the government, but you don't want to do business with Israel, then you're not allowed to do business with the government. That's a totally infringement on your rights. And no American should stand for that. Uh, they also have other other rules about literally policing speech, not just not just BDS, but the speech in general about Israel on campus, framing it as anti-Semitic. And what they've decided they're going to do is they're going to say criticism of Israel is in and of itself anti-Semitic. And uh, now I, I believe that, well, it doesn't matter what I think, but um I think there is a certain truth to that, but it doesn't matter. I also think you should be allowed to be anti-Semitic. Like, whatever, this is America. I can say whatever the hell I want. Yeah, and and, and, and the Palestinians are also uh, Semitic people, I believe. Uh, right, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a... I mean, when people... You know, people understand what you mean when you say yeah. anti Yeah, yeah, of course. It's kind of, of a technicality. But if you're anti-Palestinian, I'm anti-Palestinian or I'm anti-Arab. I don't like Arabs. I don't like Muslims. The other thing is, people seem to conflate the Palestinian issue with, with Islam. I think that's strange because having been... Uh, in doing politics for you know most of my adult life since my late teen years and following it, it's always been an issue of the left much more than an issue of Islam. I've always seen the Palestinian issue much more centered uh, on the left than, than radical Islam. I mean, it's true that I think they have some Islamic uh, parties. Hamas, I believe, is is somewhat religious, but it's nothing like um, you know ISIS and things like that. They hate Palestinians. Like though, that, I mean, that's a Zionist proxy army. You know, ISIS and Al Qaeda, they're, they're not interested. I mean, they might, Al Qaeda used to sometimes mention it, but that was, they never, you know, they've never done anything. To, I mean, none of these groups have ever done anything to Israel. All their terrorist attacks happen 
either on other types of Muslims or on on the West. I mean, these are just uh, religious freaks that the you know the West and and the Zionists have have funded and armed in order to create civil wars in countries that are you know Syria. Uh, I supported Bashar Assad. I mean, the rightful ruler of that country is the Assad family. It's not my problem that that you know that some people in Syria don't like him. Tough shit. Like it, it shit's tough all over. Excuse me. Things are tough. Like sorry, it's not my problem. I'm not going to overthrow this guy for you. It's not my job. And certainly, I don't want to give money and weapons to Islamic fanatics to do that. Because that when then what happens next? Oh, they go all suddenly. They're all filing up into Europe. Which is another thing. So I do think that I understand the, the impulse to say we should pull out of the Middle East. We should forget it. We should not be involved. But the problem is we are involved and we need to like there's a lot of bad things that have happened as a result of Zionist influence and Western influence in the Middle East like Gaddafi. Gaddafi was murdered by uh, people that were funded, trained, armed, equipped by the United States. And now what happens is Gaddafi was a major block to migrant flows up into Europe. Uh, Syria. We go and we fund ISIS, create a big civil war in Syria, start bombing the place when they fight back against ISIS. And then the destabilization, well, pff, boom, there's a whole other corridor of refugees fleeing up to Europe. And Jews are winning every which way on that. So, no, I supported Gaddafi. I support Bashar Assad. Uh, and I support Palestine. I don't want to see Zionist power expand in any area of the world. So that's my position. Yeah, Gaddafi has uh, been framed as an insane guy. But if you look at his subtitled speeches, uh, they make sense. It's like I mean, look at Donald Trump. He, I mean, any anybody can be made to look stupid. I mean, yeah. it's it's yeah. yeah. No, Gaddafi is just he's maybe was a bit eccentric, but again, that is actually not my problem, right? Yeah, the, the issue is we should yeah. not interfere or. The United States should not interfere there. Uh, one last comment before I get to the entropy and the other uh, super chats. Um, you mentioned the Israeli people with uh, the, the Palestinian women uh, doing stuff. I would say that's the definition of a controlled opposition. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there. That uh, that is totally controlled. Yeah, the the, the uh, much of the left wing. Palestine movement, at least when I was younger, when I was in college and, and when I was a younger activist, um, it seemed that they, it might have changed because BDS seems to that wasn't around when like 20 years ago when I was when I was, uh, you know, sort of adjacent to pro-Palestinian circles. That was maybe being talked about, but it wasn't really around. So I, I don't know, but I do know that a significant amount of the sort of left wing pro so-called pro-palestine activism is is totally controlled opposition yeah yeah because we many people on our side get labeled as a controlled opposition but many times it's uh, it's just uh, trolls fucking with with us there was un unknown yeah, I mean Unknown Californian on Entropy sending $10. And he said, Mike is the juggernaut. He <laughs> is unstoppable and uh, what Un unrivaled. I'm so glad to see Mike back on a live stream. Thank you, Mike, for being 
an ultimate warrior. Uh, <laughs> That's very I, flattering. Uh, Thank you very much. I mean, Mike is don't, don't go, you know, don't go overboard. I try. No, but I'm just reading a super chat. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I appreciate uh, it. That's great. Yeah, uh, thank you. Of course, I, I have put the links, uh, the right stuff that bees, and uh, oh, yeah. also your Twitter account. As long as I, as long as it lasts. I mean, this is what my, well, yeah. no, this is actually my first account. I've never been banned from Twitter before. This is definitely my first Twitter account. Um, yeah. I've only ever had one and this is it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't, but I have been suspended. I'll never for... dream of evading a Twitter ban. I would never violate the terms of service like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I also respect the terms of service. Unknown Californian also <laughs> says, uh, Mike, can you also upload your content to library, please? I've canceled TV TV service so I can use that money to donate to live streams and subscribe to TRS. It's easier to watch content on my TV through library than BitChute. So. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'll have to look into how that works. Uh, I believe it's some kind of uh, token, crypto token system that I'm not exactly sure how it works. I'll look into it, though, yeah, for sure. Yeah, library, I've uploaded some of our stuff there, but uh, it the video quality is, is higher than BitChute, but uh, I don't know. And BitChute is problematic because the, the processing times... Uh, so, uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I uploaded a video. It took six hours to process the video I uploaded yesterday, and that was lucky. Sometimes it'll take 24 hours. Yeah, yeah and the search features is pretty unfortunate. There, It's very difficult to find anything there, even if you know the yeah. exact name. So they really should work on that as the first thing to... Yeah, but yeah, if but you have like a breaking video, BitChute's probably not the place you want to go because you never... <laughs> but... um. I think just for like uh, stuff that you know isn't going to get censored and the content is sort of like long term, good, like evergreen, if you will, content is going to be good for, you know, into the future and just have a nice place to have it where you can be fairly confident that it won't ever get censored. So that's what I use it for. Of course, it's not easy to create a platform. No, no, it's very difficult. I actually donate to BitChute. I, um, I sign up for a subscription where I donate a certain amount every month. And I, uh, you know, again, people can spend their, their scarce funds how they want, but I am, I do hope that they will upgrade their tech and possibly even, you know, I, I don't know. The, they say they want to do streaming, but I'm like, you know, I'm still uploading videos and it's taking 10 hours to process. So who knows what's going to happen with that? Yeah. And we have some um, uh, quick dealer messages here too. So Besot says, uh, Hail Vihapuhe and Enoch. And um, Slack says, Hope you enjoyed the new channel sticker. And Giant Squid asks, Mike, do you advise disengaging from the system? Um, I mean, I... I don't know what what you means. I would you, you know, I think he politics? means like withdrawing from the system and letting it <laughs> or nationalists going outside the system. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like um, doing that removes us from. I think I think on an individual level, if you can make yourself less vulnerable to problems that, that that you are vulnerable to when you're deeply embedded in the system sure but i think people have to be somewhat engaged because we need more people to agree with us <laughs> and the way you do that is i think you know we talk about po- even though we know 
our narratives on politics are kind of set. We, we talk about it because we need to keep putting our material out, keep putting our, our propaganda out, keep putting our talking points, our narratives out and attract more people and get more people to agree with us. So I think um, disengagement on a level of sure, make yourself less financially vulnerable, physically vulnerable, things like that. But uh, uh, you got to keep engaging in the outside world if we want to affect it. And uh, Giant Squid also asks, uh, can you change Jewish minds on the issue? issues? I mean, it would be infinite, possibly, but it would be infinite, infinitely harder than, than uh, you know, the, the types of white people. The types of white people, you never change their mind either. And I just don't know if I would trust a Jew that that because we've had Jews come forward. Oh, we love what you're doing. It's great. You guys are hilarious. You're so right about this and that. I hate liberal Jews too. Aren't they awful? But you know, you should. We, I'm 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 a right wing Jew. I I don't. I think black people are stupid too. I you know. And then I'm just like, shut up, go away. Like, <laughs> just, I don't want. Like, why? Like, I don't need you. you. Go do something else. Uh, we're not, we don't, we can't, uh, one, I can't be seen having you around, frankly, because then people won't trust me. And second of all, I don't trust you. So just go away. <laughs> okay, that's uh... Good answer. And uh, Giant Squid also asks, Mike, without Jews, would the SPLC even exist? No, of course not. I mean, the man that funded, uh, the man that's founded the SPLC is named Morris Dees, who's actually not Jewish by blood. Mm -hmm. But his middle name is some Jewish name that was his father's mentor was a Jew. And then the all the other top people at that organization are Jewish. So he's kind of just much like how the uh, Weather Underground, which was this left wing terrorist group, the front man is a guy named Bill Ayers. People probably heard of him before. But other than that, it was a Jewish group. So they put this this waspy Anglo guy out in front, Bill Ayers. And then Morris Dees was this he's southern white guy who was very liberal southern white guy who who is very jewish in how he acts like he tried to molest his stepdaughter and he's had all kinds of weird sexual problems and he's tried to get his wife to have sex with other men and things it's just very strange stuff so you know he's he's like a weird pervert in his private life and that of course the splc is well known for the top people there all being um have, having you know <laughs> sexually questionable actions taken uh with various people so you know that a lot of them resigned in the last um uh about a year ago many of them stepped down and i think it's because a lot of sexual allegations about them were going to come out yeah the, so no we wouldn't exist without jews no not at all yeah the adl was founded uh, because of uh, this kind of uh behavior it was founded because a jew raped and murdered a 14 year old girl and then trying yeah. to blame black people <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm uh, talking about. There's a Beso who sent three diamonds and he says, hail our people. Yeah, of course. And uh, I think there were some other uh, entropy messages uh, or word there. I think there was one, maybe. The, that one. Mike, do you yeah. think... Mike, do you think people have been compromised in the movement? Ramsey Paul has gone off the rails. Greg Johnson has been saying some weird things and there is lots of infighting. What is going on? I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't like to talk about that kind of stuff or comment on why people may be doing things. Um, I don't think it's productive. If you find that somebody's stuff is not 
in agreement with, you know, if you just don't like it anymore, I just say stop consuming it. I don't want to fight with Greg or with Ramsey. I don't, I've had, I've been friends with them in the past. I find a lot of things that Ramsey Paul is saying to be not, not, I don't agree with it, but you know, that I think if to the extent he continues doing that, he'll probably lose subscribers. Greg Johnson, I've been friends with in the past, um, you know, whatever like if if people are doing that i try to stay out of it sometimes i get dragged into it because people want my take or they want and i just i'm just like look just i want to say you people know what i'm going to say i'm on people that have been around this thing know the type of things i'm going to say and the kind of positions i'm going to take and that's how it's that's how i'm going to be uh certainly words have been thrown around like calling people duganess and i think that's probably something that's very fake because i've never heard people talk about that in years um but you know again if you, <laughs> it's obviously not true so someone's saying that about like, what does that what does that even mean so I, I don't know i just also twitter like i was banned from twitter for a week and i was like oh wow Suddenly, all that crap seems to not make any difference at all. Seems to not <laughs> seems like it doesn't matter at all. So, uh, Twitter is very easy for a place for um, you know elements to come in and start causing trouble, start stirring trouble. And I just I, I I would just say watch out for people to stir trouble. And there's no need for it. People don't have to agree on things. And if they don't, it's not like a mortal insult. Like I know a lot of people have a different view than me on the Palestine question, and I don't. It's fine. Like I'm not I'm not going to fight with you about it. It is not. Uh, so important of an issue that we need to fight or stop being friends or have like a big fallout online or take sides and form factions. It's like, whatever, this is my view. You can have another one. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. That's my, my uh, point of view also that uh, we mm, might not want to do that. Like leave me out. I am not interested. Yeah. We might not agree on everything or someone said something. So okay, we are not in fighting. And uh, uh, Hunta Momonari asks, uh, did you see that the Chaikoms are more against mass migration from Hong Kong to UK than Boris Johnson and the Tories? Boris is welcoming 300,000 Cantonese refugees from the recent gay op. Of course. I mean, yeah, I did actually see something about that today. I hadn't gotten a chance to, to look into it entirely, but it makes sense. I mean, look, Chinese government, uh, it seems to me that whatever problems people have with the Chinese government, and there are probably, I'm sure that <laughs> there's a lot, right? That the fact that all of a sudden this became a big issue when it, it hadn't been for years, and in fact, the Chinese government was talked about relatively mildly and if not favorably in the United States because of how much manufacturing and cheap labor uh, the capitalist uh, system was getting out of China. Um that when all of a sudden now we're expected to have been always had a problem with it, it, it strikes me as somewhat weird. Um, so I, I just, you know, China to me, China is sort of like it's, it is, it's there. It's going to be what it's going to be. What we need to do is understand who they are, what they're about and interact with them in our own interest. But the problem is we don't run our own nations. So talking about what the policy should be towards China particularly when, you know, Jews are out here telling you, oh, here's, here's the position you could take. I'm just like, well, you know, I don't want to take that position because you're telling me that's the one you want me to take. And I want to have white autonomy to make our own decisions on how we have relationships with places like China or Iran or countries like that. Yeah. So, yeah. 
that's uh, I, I haven't uh, I was not aware of uh, this uh, Cantonese uh, problem that was mentioned. Uh, Knatterton sent one euro and he this is our last super chat and he said I have read that. I have read that before the Civil Rights Act and the Great Society, blacks succeeded better in working life and at schools and they kept their families together and they committed less crimes. There were incentives and deterrence to take responsibility. That's yeah, I believe that that's true. There, there's, there's been a sort of a favorite talking point uh, in America amongst um race realists if you will it is that yes like the certainly um family outcomes at the very least were better and and, and um you know blacks were more i mean look it's it's they were a different type of people they have different ways of, of behaving but yes they were they have degenerate civil rights was not good for them they have significantly degenerated in the past 50 years in the united states they used to be they, and then they used to be more. It used to be, I mean, just look at the music, right? Look at black music in America from like the 40s or 50s, and look at it today. I mean, the degeneration is obvious. Even if you don't like black music, even if you don't like it, I mean, it went from like uh, kind of like soul music or um, Motown and jazz, and now to gangster rap, and then even mumble rap, and just terrible. It's just it's just the degeneration is so clear. So even if you don't like those older forms of of music. <laughs> The, what we've got now is garbage. It, so, and and look at how they behave and how they talk. I mean, you can't, you can't understand them half of the time. They don't even speak. You know, whatever dialect they're speaking is not English, and um, they've just gone so far downhill. And of course, the 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 crime and the drugs are just just a mess. I wonder so, if, yes, I, if if the people in these uh, record companies uh, changed. I don't know. Well, no, no, it didn't. It was always Jews. Okay. Uh, you know, Jews will, you know, when you're not going to be able to put in 1950s America, you're not going to be able to push gangster rap. You know, the culture hadn't degenerated to the point where that was something that you could do. So they had to work on it for 30 years. Now you can push it. So, yeah, it's like you couldn't they couldn't be having every every uh, pop star for white people be some kind of transsexual uh you know some kind of effeminate transsexual or, or asexual type you know weird type of person i mean every pop star now uh vocally signals about how much they love homosexuality and rainbow flags and transsexuality and all this weird really bizarre stuff you know look at the kind of pops i mean as, as crappy as pop music from the 50s was you know buddy holly wasn't doing that stuff so, you know, the Jews will, and they were in control of the music industry back then too. So they'll only, you know, they, they are, they do control these industries, but they can only push it so far. They have to, they have to, you know, the culture. And, but, but you can be sure that their control over these choke points of, of cultural creation are going to lead to social degeneration. That's, that's a given. The question is what's, at what rate? Maybe so. Yeah. Uh, sort of uh, the shopping cart theory uh, goes pretty well with these uh, de developments in the black uh, society. The theory that uh, 
whether you're fit to live in a civilized society and self-govern is defined by whether you're capable of returning a shopping cart without anybody forcing <laughs> you. And, uh, and yeah. uh, white are the sort of people who will re- return the shopping carts uh, uh, because they feel that the system would collapse if they wouldn't, that they feel the moral obligation. But uh, it has been very clearly shown that the blacks will only uh, return the shopping carts if there is a white person watching them and there is yeah, a, there's a consequence if there's a consequence for not doing it right yeah but you know they are also white people are degenerating too i mean let's be honest white people yeah. are not what they were in those days either right white people used to wear suits men used to wear suits every day i mean look i'm not even discounting myself uh you know people wear jeans and t-shirts around they wear crocs they wear really you know and we, we all have done this to some extent you know, but, you know, a suit used to be your everyday uh, outfit. That's just what you wore, unless you were a laborer, in which case you'd wear something else. But um, but you wore a suit on Sunday, you know, went to church. These are things that people used to just do. And white people are, are degenerating, too. So and I'm not I'm not saying that this doesn't apply to me either. And it applies to all of us. This is the this is the predicament that we're in. Uh, so, you know, the, the, everyone is going downhill. And now there's probably whites that don't return shopping carts. <laughs> probably, probably an increasing percentage. Yeah, and that would be a topic for an entire show to talk about uh, all yeah. the ways that white people have gone down and men have their own ways of it. Women have a very special kind of awful that they have developed lately. And uh, yeah, but that yeah. would really be like a, a three hour discussion at least. <laughs> yeah, we had scheduled one hour, but uh, it's been 90 minutes. So uh, okay. maybe, well, we didn't get to the Trump executive order, but. Uh, maybe uh maybe people can uh, subscribe to the right stuff and uh, you yeah. I, I don't you know how you twitter i commented on that on my twitter account. yeah, yeah. check out well, if you want my take on that i mean that's yeah. that's there and we talk about it on our show this week so yeah that's yeah you can if you want to go to uh the right stuff biz you know mo- uh, monday and wednesday we have two free shows on uh friday subscriber only show i do subscriber show eric striker um you get a fast nation has a Sunday show that's free and then they have a midweek show that's subscriber only. So you get several shows to subscribe. It's worth it. And also you keep us going. Um, you'll keep us, you know, keep food on our, our plate so we can keep doing this. So, yeah. Yeah. I encourage everyone watching to, uh, subscribe to the right stuff. Yeah, like it's it's definitely not the, that big amount of money that people spend like eight dollars for a coffee cup these days. So uh, even ten twenty bucks for good content a month that isn't that that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, you were a mu- much no expected problem. guest, and uh, we have been following your live streams actually for some time now. Uh, Younes, especially since he is the one who usually stays up so late that he can watch the American streams. Yeah, while. and uh, I, I like the, uh, the, the the your video on the uh, Indian guy when he, you. Uh, th- you were alone, uh, Nicholas Sandman and the, the, the native. Oh American. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. great rant. And, uh, <laughs> oh, you, you have been a speaker at, uh, the Scanza forum also. 
Uh, yes, I was there in uh, 20, 2017. I uh, was yeah. the last time I was there. I don't know if I could go back. I'm afraid that they will. <laughs> I'm actually not even afraid of trying to go to Europe. I'm afraid of what happens to me when I come back to the U.S. That's I think the, they will. Don't you have some Norwegian heritage or something? I do, but I don't know if that means I can. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, I'd love to move there, but I'm not sure if that they want yeah. me. <laughs> The United States seem to be stuck with me now. But again, you know, when you come back to the U.S. from overseas is when they can really, really mess with you. They can go through all your stuff. They can do whatever they want to you. So I'm a little, a little bit nervous about that kind of thing right now. But we'll see. Who knows? Yeah, but um, uh, are there like other social media accounts you have that people should follow? Or Well, I've got the... Um, my Twitter account uh, and the main website uh, follow... Um, you can follow Eric Stryker. You can follow my co-host uh, Sven on Twitter at We Was Kang V's. That's a. Well, I mean, I could spell that, but you can find him. <laughs> He's on Twitter. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Follow um, follow Fascination as well. That's uh, Jazz Hands and James Alsop. I believe they have a new they have a new website launch coming up soon. But I'll wait until they announce it and let them do the big announcement on that. And um, yeah. Yeah, so thank you uh, very much. And of course, these uh, links that um, Mike mentioned are they also there on the screen if you want to visit the website and give it, give it a subscribe. Uh, but uh, we're going to let you go since we, ha we have sort of gone over time. But thank you so much. This has been a very interesting discussion. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank yeah, you for you're me. super cool. Bye. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. Talk to you guys later. Yeah. Bye. Right. Bye. Okay, so that was uh, Mike Enoch. Uh, I would have shut down the stream, but uh, some someone asked to um, open the chest, so I, I need to open the chest. Yeah, so be ready. We will be opening yeah, we'll, soon. Uh, we'll open the chest. This is a D-Life feature. Uh, there's 788, I think, uh, lemons. Yeah, so... It's open now, so get your lemons. And uh, we usually open it on Fridays, but we have two shows on Fridays. One in Finnish and uh, the, the last show of the day, which is this out of line always. So we have decided that we will open the chest every other week on the English live stream. And every other week we will be racist and open it for the Finnish audience. Okay, so... Um, mm. Okay, so it was opened, and uh, the luckiest follower was Bassabala, like uh, white. Well, everyone was a Finnish uh, guy, so I will not uh, read the names. But uh, yeah, thanks for uh, watching. Thanks for the donations. I will put the same song as the outro. Yeah, and of course, uh, the top contributors there on the Lemon side were Beso, the Giant Squid, and Slug. And thanks, of course, uh, to our moderators there, uh, there in the chat, Slug and White Olu. Yeah. And when this stream ends, I will be hosting uh, Red Ice's Flashback Friday. Since today we had to uh, have it on, uh, have our show on the same schedule. So sorry for uh, Red Ice, but uh, yeah. We will see you next Tuesday. Yeah, on Tuesday at. Uh, 3 Eastern. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Uh. Yo. I 
hate my boss. PC stole his balls. Plus he thinks he knows it all. But I follow protocol. First I'm sitting in traffic. Then inclusivity classes. 7 a.m. 